0: Okay, well, one of the things yeah. that's interesting about San Diego is that, uh, you've ever been there?
1: No. Okay, no. well. I mean, I mean, I've been as it, close as L.A., but.
0: Here's an interesting yeah. thing. We, um, we were dealing with somebody in, uh, in another country who um, actually wants us to, in, in India, and he became very wealthy at, at Harvard Business Center, and he had a mentor there his mentor is 55 years old his mentor is a billionaire He said to his whole team when i am 60 years old i'm going to leave um boston Mm -hmm. um now in now in new york city of course with his billions and he told his whole team i want you to find a place for me to live that is safe stunningly beautiful yeah and on the ocean and tell me And I'm going to move there, sight unseen, and you've got eight months to look. They did, and they came back with San Diego. With San Diego. So San Diego has a lot of conferences. Yeah. um, Because we have a conference center that fits 5,000 people. Yeah. Uh, There's a critique about that by one professor from... uh, new york city about the fact that they blocked off the ocean too much <laughs> Oh, you should have pushed right? it back yeah and i have spoken at yeah. that center a couple of times and bill gates was one of our earliest investors yeah and uh two years ago i was doing a small workshop and as i was leaving i heard bill yeah. talking at, up in the big yeah front of the of the auditorium and someone said to him kind of a funny question. How do you feel being in San Diego? And Bill said, I love being in San Diego. One of my biggest success stories called High Tech High wow, is based here. Wow.
1: Okay. Thank you, Bill. That's great. That's yeah. a great endorsement. It is. Larry Rosenstock, welcome to yeah. Wise Words.
0: Glad to be here.
1: So that was that was a, that was a great uh, story, which I think we've actually captured. So Good. Good. Uh, we'll, you know, we be intro with that okay. uh, with that story. But um, for those few listeners who may not uh, know a lot about you, Larry, maybe let's just start with a, with a little background and uh, and how you got into education.
0: Okay, uh, born in New York City, of uh, parents from other countries, and I landed up uh, going to New York City public schools, and then went to college, and I landed up in a college in Boston, and I met. Someone named Abraham Maslow there, yeah. who designed the notion of hierarchy of needs. Of needs I yeah. spent four years with Abe. Wow. Lovely, lovely gentleman. When he said that the, if you look at a homeless person on the street, what are they thinking about? What do they need? Food, clothing, shelter, all the way up to actualization if yeah. you're lucky that you get to that special place. That was a profound effect and still is. Uh, from those four years.
1: That's right. You describe yourself as a disciple of a Maslow.
0: Very much Maslow. so, yeah. very much so. Yeah, and such a gentleman. And when I dropped him off at his home the last time I saw him, he's, as he was getting out of the car, he said, Larry, I'm happy, happy, happy. Wow. And, and he was. Yeah. I also was a double major in film. And so I made uh, documentary films of different types, but one of them in particular was a film that I made about the Vermont State Prison, built in 1802, oldest prison in the United States, mm-hmm. where I went there once a week for an entire year, uh, went with um, another woman who was an elderly woman who uh, was very Catholic and in the church yeah. and therefore unmarried, and we would drive down together all the time sister beatrice and okay. drive, drive, no, she was a nun drive, she yeah. was a nun yeah. i'm avoiding it she said she's, a, she's yeah. a nun and uh and we drove up and down uh and talked and people because i was a long-haired young kid and she was in a yeah. habit uh we would get a lot of people on the road wondering what was going on <laughs> in that car and yeah. um but she was there to argue for conjugal visits for prisoners which wow. was exquisite yeah. given her background. Yeah. And she had a profound effect on me. I was there to make a film about these people. And I told the warden that I wanted to meet with them and have a class under a state class. Yeah. And, and, they, and he, he let me do it. And so I interviewed them every week, learned a lot about them, was very taken by the intelligence of a lot of them, the yeah. background, unfortunately, of a lot of them, and the hope that they might at some point have a better life, if, as, and when they got out yeah. of there. I decided to then go to law school to study prisoners' rights. Okay. Um, oddly enough, I had to go to Boston to do that. Uh, I was two classes away from graduating. And there were two cases, soster v. Rockefeller, soster v. McGinnis, that really yeah. disappointed me in the law as a way to get equity. Wow. So I dropped out. Okay, really? Just two two classes away from graduation? Yes, but then where one of my best stories in my life comes up, where I was doing uh, pro bono, meaning free housing evictions for yeah. um, on um, Unwealthy people who could basically need me to do it you know and i had this gentleman elderly gentleman african-american who was being evicted and it was pouring rain and i drove him to the courthouse even though he's not an attorney you don't have to be an attorney to represent somebody yeah and uh and we won and oh, wow. he was he was yeah. very he was very drunk at the time <laughs> i, re- I remember that quite a bit and then i was driving him back to the building in which he lived and he said to me as we were getting close to his home, and you, you were pretty good back there. What are you, a lawyer? I said, no, no, no. He said, well, how would you know all that stuff? I said, well, I went to law school. He said, well, if you went to law school, then you're a lawyer. I said, well, I dropped out of law school. And he said, why'd you drop out of law school? I said, well, I felt as a white male, I had enough privilege and I didn't need any more privilege. I just didn't know what to say to just end it. And so he's getting out of yeah. the door in the rain and the door is open and he goes outside and he closes the door, but not quite closes it. And just before it closes, he opens the door again and sticks his head in and said, it's a, if it's privileged to go to law school, how privileged is it to drop out of law school? Yeah. And he slammed the door on me, went inside and I sat there alone for 40 minutes in my car in the rain and I finished law school. Yeah, well, good good for him, right? Yes, because, good for him. And then yeah, I yeah. and that let me. Uh, so I'm now members of the Massachusetts bar and of the United States Supreme Court bar. Yeah. And so I was able to operate on some pieces of federal legislation yeah. at Harvard, where I became an attorney at the Center for Law and Education.
1: And and just, let's just stay with that, if you don't mind, Larry. Sure. So has has your faith in in law as a as an instrument of Redress as an institution, yeah been somewhat restored
0: um, I don't really have the, that great feeling of restoration that I would like to have. There are several yeah. cases I can think of that that we all can, especially these days that are really not how I understand the Constitution. I could give a classic example about one of them what happens to be with guns but and the way that uh, certain populations have been have been treated.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the benefit to me, however, has been when I, at one of my schools, for example, since I have 16 schools, I've got 6,000 students and sometimes I'll have a parent coming in who will have a lawyer and they'll be really upset about something. Yeah. I do on the back mm-hmm. wall of my office have hung my Supreme Court bar thing just, okay, just <laughs> it's, it's, it's just behind me. Yeah, it's just yeah. so the lawyer when they come in, I know lawyers, they know lawyers, I work with lawyers. Yeah. And so they said, okay. They will they look at it and say, okay, this guy is this is yeah, bit, we're, not I was like, we're not gonna get yeah. in an argument right yeah, yeah. here. No, I think it's it's all about it's basically the question you're asking about is fundamental fairness yeah. and, and whether we have it. And and I don't know about other countries, but there's moments when the United States has had it and there's certainly moments when it when, when it when it when it, ha- it, when it has it. not yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and it, look I mean I from my my point of view it it uh, to sort of paraphrase uh, I think it was Winston Churchill when he spoke about capitalism or democracy rather not not capitalism that you know it, it's you know and I'm paraphrasing here that it, it is it is an imperfect system right. unfortunately it's it's the best we have at the moment and you know the at least the beauty in in my view of of uh systems of justice that are to a certain extent common law based correct, as, correct. Common law, yes. as as the United States uh, is it has its origins in the common law is that they are capable of of adapting and changing uh with the times now the change may not be as fast as we would like it to be but it it does happen and we yes, it does. we have made Yes, it's significant goes, progress,
0: yes, we make o- some it goes, sometimes years. it's it sometimes it goes forward several steps, then it goes back a step, then it goes up a few, and then it comes back yeah. a few, and it depends yeah. on the politics yeah. of the moment, etc, cetera, etc cetera. and then of course, in the midst of all this, we've had some wonderful um, members of the bar and yeah. and other human beings in terms of matters of equity, yeah. uh, in particular, since I've understood that one of my favorite ones who was in jail for quite a long time in South Africa, and then finally got out. then yeah. his wife is here yeah. and they yeah. there was a question yeah. about whether I wanted to meet anybody, and I said, yes.
1: you want to meet uh, grassa i do yeah,
0: good because well, because I know what i want what I want to tell her is um, I have a picture of him in my office that I look at every single day, and I had some students who were looking at international studies that came into my class to talk and they asked who is the most evolved human being yeah. in my lifetime I said oh that's easy
1: Nelson Mandela of course of course right? yeah. after
0: all those years in prison f- yeah. he came out and forgave yeah. them and said because he didn't want his people to get hurt I, I was I've never well, he didn't want anyone to get he didn't hurt, want that any he didn't including want including his jailers exactly and, yeah. he did not want anyone to absolutely. get hurt absolutely and, and twenty plus years, and he once spoke in Boston. I did not get to speak yeah. to him, but I saw him there. Yes, a truly, a truly evolved human yeah. being.
1: No, and I, 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 I've reflected on on this, uh, and and even wrote uh, uh, wrote a little a little piece on why do we celebrate? You know, people like uh, Gandhi, uh, like okay. Martin Luther King, exactly Nelson Mandela. You know, you, you look at their track record and and as as leaders and and you know, it's mixed. I mean, they they didn't Correct. always you know succeed in right. terms of um, of of their objectives Correct. and and uh, you know certainly in the case of of uh, of India the the nonviolent movement that, that Gandhi led. Ended ended with the partition and, right. and of course a lot of suffering and of course. none of which was intended or or sought for by uh, by Gandhi. But it's it's an unfortunate historical reality uh, that it did happen. But why why do we continue to celebrate them and consider them great? Is because they they elevate the human right. human spirit right and they and they demonstrate to us what uh, what. Great leadership in the form of forgiveness and inclusion can
0: exactly. be. Exactly. Even if they yes. they don't always succeed in, in, in bringing us along with them. And that's why I have used them in the context of saying to young people it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. Yeah. It's not necessarily what you accomplish it's what you're trying to accomplish and those are all well described examples by you mm. of, of people that They really tried, really, really hard, with an open heart and intellect, even though it didn't all work out.
1: Yeah, and it didn't all work out because you know, unfortunately, most of us are not able to rise to the to the standards that they Uh, they seek to to set. Um, How so? Here you are, a young young lawyer. successful engaged Mm -hmm. with uh with social issues interested in fairness yes uh uh, and 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 justice um what got you then to to think that okay law is not really what i what i want to pursue and i i'd I'd rather do education How, how did that all come about
0: that's a great question um it began um in, in the first instance, uh, with a carpentry job that I had, and how, how does carpentry come
1: into? Oh I into tell this? You that. Oh I can tell
0: you that oh, that's a little bit odd. Um, I was born um, with my left eye mostly not visible, um, and i I was operated on when I was two. Okay. so I therefore have always had issues about parallax vision my whole life okay. okay and um which is kind of a curious thing to have um and it's mostly better but it's not entirely there but to go back to when i was two three years old living in the bronx um which is when i so i was operated on it too as yeah. my earliest memory was coming back with a big patch over Touching my over my left eye okay that's probably yeah. why it was traumatic because i probably remembered it yeah. and my parents would have old boxes from opening things and i would sit on the floor and I started building houses out of boxes. I started building uh, houses out of boxes uh, early, early, early on. In fact, uh, the film I just saw that was made by this organization, which I just saw, shows the little bungalow that I built below my canyon. So in in the midst of running 16 schools, I had to build a little building down in the canyon uh, just to do it. So no, I think that kids love, we all do, and it's what you're doing right now. You're making something that wasn't there before. It could be sound. It could mm-hmm. be wood. It could be anything. So I've had a fascination with that notion of building. That, that we all, humans, like the gratification of building something new that was not there before. Ch- children, having your children. Mm-hmm. All, these are all the great moments in our lives. So why aren't schools structured more that way since it's so sent, it's so much at the core of whom we are instead of everything that's that's coming at you from teachers what about what's coming out of you towards teachers yeah. and the world and and being in vocational education in particular um, so i got my first job at um at harvard's uh, psychiatric hospital I was a bit of a, had very, very long hair. Now I have none to those of you who are listening. And, uh, <laughs> well, we have a video now. So. <laughs> we have a video, so maybe you now know. Yeah. And there was a Fan Palmer, uh, no longer alive. She, was, she ran that psychiatric unit. And I came in looking like that, dirt shirt carpenter that I was. And I wanted to, they had a beautiful program working with mental patients and teaching them carpentry. Wow! And so I saw it in the newspaper, I said, this is for me. I went to interview her, and because I looked a little bit rugged as a carpenter, I remember we talked, I talked about Abe Maslow, for example, yeah. and she leaned back in her chair and closed one eye and said, after talking about it, said, I'm going to take a chance on you. <laughs> and she did. And we became very, very close. And I spent three years working there, and I learned So much about psychiatry and so much about people. I had elderly people, I had younger students, I had the whole, I had famous people. I had, I had offspring of very famous international Mm. people in there. And I was, and by the way, you're, it's, you're not, it's not, it's verboten for you to identify them by their name. Mm. that's another okay curious thing about okay. mental hospitals no you have to call them other names you can't so when someone says something about their relative that's a public figure that shocks you yeah. you have to ignore it you, even though oh. when you go home at night you say it's yeah. just my wife i can't believe what someone just said today but i love working with them i i just totally did yeah. and then i um There was a job in Boston teaching carpentry. Now, Boston was going through desegregation, which has been another horror in the United States and a a failure, an ongoing failure, which very much comes into what we did at High Tech High and what I learned from that failure. And then um, after those years in Boston, which were well-intended, we would get low-income housing situations and uh, I would teach these kids how to fix up old houses. And that's what we did. And we had one black, one Latino, and one white teacher. That was Boston's way to set up a team.
1: Yeah,
0: Mod squads, named after a TV show, was what mm-hmm. they called us. Then I go, went over to Cambridge. Now, Cambridge um, is an interesting community. It's one of the oldest high schools in the United States. It's from the 1600s. Yeah. It's a five-story building. The... The haves live on the top floor, and the have-nots were with me in carpentry in the in the down in the basement in the basement. In the yeah. basement. And uh, that's that's the story of America. And um, and again, much like with those prisoners, what struck me the most about those kids was how intelligent they were, even though they might not act that way, and even though they might think of themselves that way. Mm-hmm. And and I also came to realize the satisfaction that they got from making something yeah and i also came to realize it's it's all about math for people to say well, what about english history math and science it's yeah. all it's all math it's all math you can't do it with yeah. now, so many kids would say well i can't do this in wood but i can if i can't do this in paper but i can do it on wood i said no we can't afford for you to do it in wood you have to do it on paper yeah and um and that was a very very gratifying uh, time in my life. So
1: let, let me ask you: so how so how did you think of yourself at this time? I mean, I'm just curious right. because, you know, you, you you obviously you had a great you know great education, but here you are essentially working as a carpentry correct teacher. I think you call it shop in the in in the U.S. right? you 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 Teaching very, shop. Right? I, <laughs> I
0: was teaching shop.
1: Yeah, and, that is and, true. And uh, and and you know, and you work you know, you, you're doing it for uh, or you or you had just you know, had this, this job with, with the mental, uh, patients, mm-hmm. presumably it's a form of therapy yes. that you, you teach them these, uh, these Correct. skills and now you're, right. you're, you're working with, so how did you think of yourself at the time and what, what was going through your mind in terms of you know, what you're going to be yes, in, as, it, 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 as, Yeah, Well, yeah, again, as a young, uh, as a young man it, at the Thank time, you. Right? Thanks
0: for that great question. A lot of it came back to Abe Maslow again about hierarchy of needs. And I think uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was sort of in a way I was cl- trying to climb that ladder over, yeah. a little bit by mm-hmm. doing that to wit. Yeah. Um, my parents were very happy when the moment came that I was offered a job from the Center for Law and Education at Harvard, which is merely two blocks from Cambridge Latin High School. Yeah. And, of course, this was mana from heaven from them. Finally, yes. our son is going to, you know, yeah. <laughs> go to Harvard <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And um,
1: Because you, your parents were immigrants. Yes. And if there's, any, if there's one thing I know about immigrant they families want, is they have... They want more. Well, they have aspirations for their oh, kids to of, to to move up in
0: the world, and, of of course, it, know, enter it, the professional classes and doctors, ex- lawyers, and exactly. Yeah. So and I, here you are, a lawyer. So here I was. <laughs> so here I was, and I was going to be a lawyer at the Center for Law and Education. And I remember talking to my younger sister uh, on the phone and and saying that I wasn't sure I wanted to do it because I was going to have to take a bit of a a, a pay pay loss, you know, to work there. Yeah. And she said, "You're letting." Financial security be a, 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 a weight around your neck. Yeah. I remember she said yeah. that. She yeah. said you got to go to Harvard. I did go to Harvard, yeah. and I worked with uh, two brilliant lawyers there. And the great thing about there was we get to work on two pieces of federal legislation, which became law, which are still law: the School to Work Opportunities Act yeah. and special education law. No, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that. Is kind of interesting. Yeah. So if somebody comes into me with a special education case again with another lawyer and they're giving me a hard time, yeah. so I say, well, You wrote the law. Well, relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we're going to work this out. Just yeah. slow down a little bit, yeah. right? And and the School to Work Opportunities Act was also apropos of High Tech High because my first two donors were Irwin Jacobs, who pretty much invented cell phones mm-hmm. and, and the chips for them. A great gentleman who moved from MIT to San Diego, hence yeah. my being there, and Bill Gates, who did, I, he did come to High Tech High early on. Mm. And was I, a, I've so, heard about
1: that guy. Was a supporter, yeah. well,
0: yes, <laughs> yeah, you have, was yeah. a supporter uh, of ours. And he too had an interest because they both came from the t- tech sector yeah. and it came so, dare I say, easily to them in particular because they were both so capable. They wanted to bring a broader spectrum of kids into that, yeah. hence the name High Tech High. Yeah. In fact, they wanted to name the school High Tech High School, yeah. and I said, "Let's just get rid of the word school." Now, why did you want to get rid of the word school? Because it was too schoolish. I wanted to be a little bit broken away from that. Great question. I, I just thought, I why see. not just let's let's keep yeah. it simple? And also, because if any of us has a child or a, a or whatever, and we get whatever we give a name to, it becomes shortened. So why not shorten it early? Anyway, yeah. so so we just yeah. became High Tech High, yeah. and we were going to do and we were going to do a school. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and, and we started with just one school. That's all that we were going yeah. to do. Now, and,
1: now, before that, you got, you got some, you got a government grant. Yes. To study.
0: Yes, I did. Thank the, you.
1: The, the, the sort of the, the, the new American high school. Yes. And what happened there. Say a
0: little bit about that. Okay. That, that, experience. That's, that is very apropos. I yeah. got to coming out of Harvard. There there were some other professors there um, um, and, um, one in particular who's passed now, but basically um, really wonderful people that I selected, or we'll say, and I, they selected me, I selected them, and we had quite a bit of money from the Clinton administration to run around the country for several years. There's 50 states. I have visited schools in about 40 of them and find great schools. I can tell you painful stories. I can tell you funny stories, and mm-hmm. I can also tell you the great stories. Yeah. And the last story was the great story where my life changed. I had I was back in Boston in Cambridge specifically and we were almost done wrapping it up and something that the government does you run around like that and then they ask you to bring the best of what you found to Washington DC for the president and others yeah. to witness a day of presentation. So someone told us that there was a school that was closest to, uh, in the United States, that was closest to Mexico um, in San Diego area, and that there was something very interesting happening there. And we wondered whether to get back on a plane another time and go all that far, and we decided to go. Yeah. And that's when my life changed. We went into a classroom. It was the end of the year, inner-city kids, mostly of color, mostly Latino, and wonderful teacher off in the corner was messing around with his papers like a great teacher would, as if he had nothing to do with what we were witnessing. Where there were sixteen students in an oval, all of whom had worked in hospitals, one of whom was pregnant and unmarried and has and was presenting a study to her peers as to whether or not the boy inside of her should be circumcised from a sexual, religious, whatever point of view. Yeah. No giggles. And my colleague and I looked at each other across the room. And we've talked about that look that we gave each other across the room a lot, in which we, without saying anything, said, we found it. We right. finally yeah. found it. This yeah. is the place. And how old were the kids? These were 16. 16-year-olds. 16 so, so, yeah. um, so then we mm-hmm. had to bring all of them to Washington, D.C., the five cities that we brought. And there was a very, very uh, wealthy billionaire who flew one of the teams there, the team from San Diego. Mm. And then we broke out into meeting sections, and then he heard me speaking, and he said... (laughs) hey young man I like the way you think and express yourself how much do you earn? And I told him he said that's not enough. I said I know who are you? (laughs) So he said I got a 500 million dollar foundation if you come run it for me for a while I'll buy you a house in La Jolla and get you set up. So I said to my wife I said I don't know if this guy's crazy but he wants us to run a house house, and he wants us to run a foundation for him for two years So, um, so we did that and and it was one and a half years into the three-year thing. He was a very controlling, no longer alive, very, very bright, only had one eye from childhood, truly a character guy yeah. uh, and complicated. Yeah. And um, and then I was called to a meeting with Erwin Jacobs who wanted to start Qualcomm. And that night, my wife and I, we're going to bed. Our kids were young. And my wife said, what's the matter? I said, what do you mean? She said, you're really thinking about something else. I said, well, I met this guy today and he wants yeah. to start a school. And she said, what have they got? I said, no money, no building, no program, nothing. And she said, you want to do it, don't you? And I said, yep. And she said, as long as we can stay in San Diego, you can do whatever you want. And so I left. That's great. And that's how High High got started.
1: That's, that's, uh, that's an amazing uh, story, Larry. And we've, we've uh, unfortunately come up to our our time but that's actually a good place to stop because yeah. i think we're going to turn this into a two-part good if you agree i of and course so I we'll, agree
0: it's a pleasure we'll,
1: let's record you know find some time to record part two where we talk specifically about the high-tech hydrant. Good.
0: thanks for putting up with me this morning no no, at all <laughs> it's been
1: it's been a great conversation thank and you, thanks sir. thanks for sharing your wisdom with us
0: thank you